He's the the Gallagher of music. Ooh. Right? You think? Oh, I think you hit it on the head there. (laughs) This thing could be your food. Hello there, food and music connoisseurs. This is your old pal, Nathan Palin, coming to you from a deep, dark cave in Brooklyn, New York, trying to get away from all this cold weather. Ah, but what can warm a person up from all this cold weather more than the beautiful sounds of one meatloaf? Rest in peace, Marvin Lee a day. He was a good man. Him and Jim Steinman made a record that was very impactful for me when I was a child. My parents had this on vinyl, and it was one of two of my favorite records, which was Bad Outta Hell 1. At the time, it wasn't called 1. It was just called Bad Outta Hell. Bad Outta Hell as well as uh, Toda's first record. Isn't that weird? I would bring that over to uh, my friends' houses, whose parents would have stereo systems hooked up to their basement so their kids could play downstairs and listen to music. Me um, Me and Tally. Tally was the name of the girl that was in my neighborhood that I hung out with. I would bring these records over and we'd listen to them. So I really was a weird kid right off the bat. And you know, I remember about my meatloaf record. It actually had like a little, like a little bump in the beginning of it. And it wasn't a skip. It just had like a little hill at a certain spot. And so when I put it on, you know, I could watch the needle like bounce up and down whenever it got to that spot. It still didn't skip. So let's give it up to Todd Rundgren for making such a well-produced record that it could withstand that little hill, that little ski jump. Speaking of ski jump, I went skiing this past weekend, and that's why I'm late with this episode. I hope you forgive me and found some other wonderful podcasts to listen to. Pardon me, I'm going to have a little sip of coffee. Another Izzy's Coffee moment. Izzy's our sponsor from Asheville, North Carolina. We're going to talk about them here in a moment. I was actually supposed to be in Asheville, North Carolina to record some episodes for future This Band Could Be Your Food shows, but it got sidelined. You'll hear all about that. I brought back my good friend Nate Hall. Him and his lovely lady had a baby. If you recall, I think it was the Charlie Watts episode we sort of discussed how he was moments away from becoming a father, and now he is a father for the first time, so uh, welcome to the club, Nate. It's a good time, but your life changes forever. So, hey, any of you have kids, or even if you don't have kids, if you don't have kids especially, you probably have enough time to go to Apple Podcasts and rate our show, This Band Could Be Your Food. You know, we're on Apple Podcasts, everything. We're on Spotify. We haven't, we haven't canceled our feed to Spotify, you know, because we don't, we don't make any money off of it. But if you really want to boycott Spotify, you can do that. You can cancel your account, and you can start buying records again. Or pull out your CDs or cassettes. I know people that are listening to cassettes again. Isn't that cool? I don't know. There's lots of ways to get music. And Spotify does make it very easy and handy. And you got to give them up for that. The artists certainly make more than they do than they did when, when everybody was stealing music off of Napster. But it's still a problem, folks. Musicians don't make enough money. So since you're getting this content for free, please do me a favor. As I said, go over to Apple Podcast, rate our show. If you want to leave some comments, that's great. We need that stuff in order to stay alive. It's possible that if we get enough listeners, maybe Spotify will give me $100 million like that Joker Joe Rogan. Hey, did you ever see him in news radio? That was a great show. All right, enough about Joe Rogan. 
let's head over to a moment in time when Nate Hall came over to my house strictly to talk about meatloaf and also watch football. We, we watched football after that. Our team lost. You can, if you listen to our voices, you will hear some enthusiasm and optimism that we no longer have. Though I am happy with both teams that are going to be in the Super Bowl this year. It's going to be fun. I love the Super Bowl because that gives me an opportunity to make taco dip. And taco dip is my favorite food in the world. Perhaps I'll figure out what band taco dip is, and then I will share with you my recipe. Ah, but this episode is not about taco dip. This episode is about meatloaf. So venture on. Here we go. Hey, Nate. Yeah. On a hot summer night, would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? Well, will, will he offer me his mouth? Yes. Hmm. Will he offer me his teeth? Yes. Will he offer me his jaws? Yes. Will he offer me his hunger? Yes. Again, will he offer me his hunger? Yes. And will he starve without me? Yes. And does he love me? Yes. Yes. On a hot summer night, would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I bet you say that to all the podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies mm. and gentlemen, why do we not talk more about meatloaf? I feel so dirty now. It's really an awkward way to start. We should... Um, it was magical. I'm going to take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers. It's a, it's a nighttime podcast for us. Cheers, nighttime hey, podcast. So we're going to have some, some vino. Mm. Some vino with our podcast. I think this is a good guy to have a, a nighttime podcast. I, I think so. We usually do lunch, but now it's going to be a dinner. Mm-hmm. A dinner podcast. And it's interesting. I was... Um, actually going to be in uh, Asheville at the moment, recording a couple of podcasts with the owner and proprietor of Izzy's Coffee. Mm, good coffee. Maybe you've heard about Izzy's Coffee. I might have brought it up a time or two. They are a sponsor. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know. The good coffee. Yeah, it's really good I've coffee. I've been in that coffee shop. It's a, it's a delightful coffee shop. Love and if you're lucky, maybe the drummer of uh, Leonard Skinner will pop in. Oh, really? He lives down there, and he loves Izzy's Coffee. Does he like the pastries there also? One, one, you know, I was hoping to find out, to get a first-hand account, but the problem is, is uh, everybody in Asheville apparently all got COVID, and Ooh. so I. Uh, they didn't get from Izzy's Coffee though. Nah, no, they no, didn't. No. I mean, it's, it's it's their turn now. Mm. It seems like New York has has had its turn, and so now Asheville is having its turn. Yeah, COVID is heading south for the winter. It, yeah, who could blame it? Yeah. The the winter here sucks. It's cold outside. Burr. Yeah, and that's that's coming from a couple Wisconsinites. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, you know, they they say if you come from Wisconsin, then you don't feel the cold, which is not true. <laughs> it's a lie. It's, it's a, a lie. I have long bald face. Like, hey, Nate, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very this much. This is your first episode since you've uh, born child. Yes, I have. I'm surprised you're awake at this hour. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I handle the the day shift and the night shift, so I do, I don't sleep at all. Huh. I'm just a vampire at this point. Yeah, that's that's not much different than how you used to do it. No. No. That's just, why I can do it. Okay. It used to be more fun, I think, though, right? <laughs> yeah, not as grumpy. 
Definitely not as grumpy. Mm, I understand. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to have you back. And be out of the house. Thank you for uh, giving me out of the house. Absolutely. Giving me an excuse. Absolutely. For and some reason, Kim trusts you, so she let me God come bless out and Kim. visit you. What a wonderful soul she is. Yes, she is. So, and you were the guy that I called last time when uh, the bass player of ZZ Top died, Dusty Hill. Yep. So you're and one other. I'm was, like I'm like the in more memoriam guy. Who is Charlie it? Watts? Charlie Watts. In memoriam. Every time somebody dies, I, I show up. That's Ding! right. The Nates get I'm together. The, I'm the grim reaper of the podcast. <laughs> it's, what tr- I am. it's true. So Meatloaf, it's funny. You were you and I, it sounds like we both have a similar experience of getting to know who Meatloaf was. All of a sudden showed up in my parents' record collection. Mm. And Bad Out of Hell, very striking. Very striking, uh, especially by the cover. Yes. Yeah, I just love to stare at the cover. because Yeah. It, had that motorcycle guy and the, the bat and all that stuff. Yeah, it kind of took a long time for me to even figure out what was going on. I mean, there was the bat, mm-hmm. but there it was just there was something to it that was just hypnotizing. And even when in later years when I would listen to it, I still didn't understand what, what it was. No, no, it didn't grab me of the music. Uh, I think I was too young. Mm. It was grunge time. Okay, and I was grunge time. Uh, it was like the nineties. That's the first time that you saw the cover? No, not the cover, but actually listened Listen to, to the it. contents of oh. the album itself. That, I mean, that makes sense. I actually listened to it when I saw the cover. My folks would uh, encourage me to listen to the music that was in the record collection. So I, I put it on, and I loved it. You know, the, the opening, Bad Out of Hell, that big Do you piano have memory? Thing. Do you have memories of your dad or your parents playing it? No, that's the weird thing. I don't either. I have no, I don't know if I don't my know dad why, played it at all. Exactly. I just know he had it. He did have it. And yeah. so one day I played it mm-hmm. and, and uh, I loved it. No, the it, piano part, the beginning of the piano part is just fantastic. Yeah, did it, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and by that time, I think Billy Joel was already on my radar because he'd put out Still Rock and Roll to Me and You May mm-hmm. Be Right. It was that record, Glass Houses, mm-hmm. which, I don't know, you can't beat that as and far as And he had Billy great goes. MTV videos, so... I knew who Billy Joel was. Meatloaf wasn't so much on MTV, so he wasn't on my radar. That is incorrect. Well, he was on MTV. He in was the nineties, but not in the eighties. No, he was. He was absolutely. He was like for what? Paradise by the Dashboard Light was one of the very first loved videos by the VJs because it was so long, so they could put that on and then. But that was in the eighties because MTV didn't come out to nineteen eighty one, and that album came out in nineteen seventy seven. Correct. Yeah, it did came out, but it was a slow burn. Oh, really? It was a very that slow burn. Slow of a burn. Very slow of a burn. Well, I guess Meatloaf didn't have anything else going on, so you might as well yeah. <laughs> keep on pushing that. Yeah, but really, it's about the you know the VJs uh, trying to stay awake while they're doing their mm-hmm. thing and using additives, as you know, eight rock and roll eighties is, is known to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they they'd put that song and they'd go in the bathroom and they'd have a little ski trip and then they'd come back. I just realized you said additives and what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I had a feeling you weren't getting there, but I, I figured if I use enough innuendos, yeah, eventually lack of sleep. It's gonna be. I'm gonna be a little bit slow, but I'm. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting there. They're out of coffee. Yeah, <laughs> it's the '80s. Yep. Still okay. waiting for my shipment from Izzy's. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a great strange song. Well, the whole album is a great strange concoction. Yeah. Like as we were talking about the cover, it looks very gothic and sinister. It looks like. A metal album is what you would think yeah. it would be. Yeah. And then uh, you put it on and it's theatrical and theatrical everything the else than, than metal. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, well there's a little bit metal with uh, Todd Rundgren playing guitar in there and yes, throws his little... And producing. I mean, he, he gave it an edge that it didn't otherwise have. Mm-hmm. When they put that record together, initially, it was, it was Meatloaf and Jim Steinman, also rest in peace. Uh, oh, Jim, really? Yeah, Jim Steinman, he died not, not nine months ago. He did not get a New York Times article, I can tell you that. That is really surprising. I didn't see it. Well, maybe I didn't know who he I don't was. think he got a picture. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you don't know what he looks like. Oh. Yeah. When they went on to make uh, the original Bat Out of Hell 2, which was like the first follow-up, Famously, Meatloaf had lost his voice, so while they were trying to record it, they had like all the same cast. Like Todd I don't Ru- think that it wasn't the Bad Out of Hell too. It was just the follow up, a Bad Out of Hell. After all his success, Meatloaf lost his voice, and they don't know if that was because of his actual physicality or if his mental state wasn't allowing him to do it, etc. But the whole cast was there. Uh, Todd Rundgren was there. He was producing. Um, Jim Steinman was writing the tunes. <laughs> Yeah, they had those guys, not to mention they brought Max Weinberg to play drums on most of these tracks, as well as the horn section from the Blues Brothers, Tom Bones Malone, Alan Rubin, and Blue Lou Lou Marini, Lou Marini, and a bunch of other dudes. It's true, they were, they were trying to make that exact same record that they had just made, which Meatloaf says he was against. He didn't want to repeat himself, as any good artist would. Carry on. When Meatloaf couldn't deliver... Jim Steinman said, well, I'll just sing it. And they put that record out, and, I mean, I didn't listen to it. But no, I, I heard a couple I, of clips. I don't want, yeah, I heard a little bit of him singing, and I don't want to hear him sing. Uh, I mean, you know, Jim Steinman delivers a Jim Steinman song every time. And, and that, that album was called Bad for Good. Bad for Good. And it was bad. Did you, you didn't listen to it. No, I didn't listen to it. So I, I guess I can't say that. Yes, It might be fine. It might be fine. The guy, I mean, <laughs> he's no meatloaf. But I mean, the, the two of them, they, they sort of needed each other. I mean, Jim Steinman, is, they, it is said that he, when he was doing these songs, he was kind of writing what was eventually going to become Bad Out of Hell. He had, he had found like a skinny, blonde haired dude who sort of reminded Meatloaf of like Rod Stewart. Mm-hmm. And Meatloaf had to be really persistent, you know, because he's this, you know, this big, stringy haired dude. Sweaty. Sweaty. 300 pounds. Yeah. Which is the fantastic thing about Meatloaf is he's not, he's not your Mick Jagger, he's not your Rod Stewart. Yeah, he's he's uh, an everyday man. He's an everyday man, man. Yeah. and he really prides himself on that too. He's yeah. he always says, "I'm no more important than a plumber, uh, the regular guy. I go to work, I do my job. This is what I do." Um, it's interesting. It it really straddles if his hum his humbleness. But he also, he's got a fat guy complex. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always trying to get acceptance from people. And he does that by being outgoing and friendly and talkative and 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 all of that. Um, but deep down, he's really a tortured man who, you know, never thinks he's good enough. No. Which is a reason why he works so hard and, get, and gave so much to yeah. his shows. Yeah. One of the hardest workers out there. Mm-hmm. And and he'll, he'll be the first one to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. So... What food do you think meatloaf is? Um, from listening to the albums, um, something cheesy, because his albums are sometimes very cheesy. Very cheesy is what I would, uh, what I was thinking about. Yes, you know when I was thinking about meatloaf and like what what it is that sort of sets him apart, 
is he lacks a certain sense of humor that it's, it's, I mean, like he's not in on the joke. It seems that he really believes all of these songs that he's singing. Yeah. Which is what makes it like absurd. Some of the songs are sort of the jokey. If you listen to the lyrics. Yes. Like he gets the joke sort of, yeah. but he's also very serious about it. I, yeah. It, it's, it's very, very confusing. Yeah. They both attribute it to being like a play like this. This isn't rock opera. Mm-hmm. It's rock, but it's like a play. Yeah. Which hundred percent. That's a Broadway play. It's a, it's a Broadway yeah. play. <laughs> yeah. That's what it yeah. is. And 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 every song that John Simon writes, except for Eclipse of the Heart, um, is uh, pretty much a sure. Broadway play. Well, actually, just to interject here, Total Eclipse of the Heart was very much a Broadway E song. It was the centerpiece for a play that Steinman was working on for quite a long time. A play that I'm not sure ever actually came out or not, but that melody in Total Eclipse of the Heart, and the chord progressions, all of that was like the centerpiece of his play that he was making even before Bat Out of Hell came to fruition. So it's debatable if he has a song that is not steeped in Broadway mentality, shall we say. Carry on. <laughs> God bless Bonnie Tyler yes. for keeping his career alive. <laughs> you know, there, there was a moment where Jim Steinman had... Is it Jim? Because It saying, is Jim. I, I, if I said John, I'm sorry. It's fine. Yeah. There was a point where there was two Jim Steinman songs in the top 10, like number one, number one and number two. Oh, and yeah. one was Out of Nothing at All by... Air supply. Air supply. And then the other one, I think, was Total Eclipse of the Heart. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Yep. One so, and two. And yeah. uh, I think. No nope, Meatloaf to be found. They were supposed to be on a Meatloaf album that Meatloaf was trying to do without John Steinman, but the record company didn't want to pay for John Steinman. So yes. Meatloaf didn't get those songs. If you, I mean, if you ask Meatloaf, and, you know, the guy's. He contradicts himself regularly. Like if you listen to, I, contradicts I've listened, himself. He lies. It's yeah, he, different stories the, all the over the numbers place. change. There's a lot of there's a lot of weirdness. And there's a lot of weird things that he lies about, like your age and yeah, how you got your name Meatloaf. And it's just yes, that goes just, back and forth. Those are like the most boring things to be mysterious on. Yeah, I, honestly, I don't think that he just can remember it because he's had more concussions than just about anybody in the rock and roll business. Yeah. He was playing football and he was very dedicated. And he, I mean, according to him, <laughs> there you go. He's had a dozen concussions. Yeah. I, which I believe. Um, yeah. One time on a, at a concert in Canada, he threw himself off, he jumped off the stage and broke his leg. <laughs> He's oh, jumped man. off the stage for no reason. Yet a 300 pound man jumping off stage. Yeah. Not a good idea. And Not then he really. just performed the rest of the tour in a wheelchair. Uh, that's fantastic. He's, very dedicated, throws himself into his work. Do you know how he got his voice? He claims. Hmm, tell me. He claims. <laughs> I mean, back in the day, he's, you know, he said, and this this is the one thing that sort of drives me crazy about, about Meatloaf, is he really loves to use cliches. He <sighs> said, when I would sing in the car, my mom would told me that I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. <clears throat> so he said, stop singing, and it was like the only negative thing that his mother ever said to him. Uh, one day he was out practicing football and the local shot putter was also out there practicing oh. and meet the, the only word he heard was look. Cause the guy was trying to say, look out. And he got hit in the head with a shot put. And then according to me, he got up and suddenly could be able to sing. Yep. Yeah. 
It's uh, <laughs> stories like that why Meatloaf can't write songs because <sighs> he is he can't come up with good stories or good anything. They, yeah, yeah. Did yeah, you know that he tried his hand at stand up comedy for a second? Oh, so much I believe that. I yeah, uh, I would yeah. love to see. That. It didn't work that, out. Anyways, back surprise. to the back to the food. Okay, yes. okay. So back to the food. So something cheesy. Maybe something cheesy. I'm just gonna stick with the music. Yeah. Yeah, che- yeah, cheesy. Certainly cheesy, but I mean earnest, earnest in its cheesiness. Earnest in its cheesiness. Yes. Something like that. Not, yeah, but but he pulls it off. Like if it was really truly cheesy, yeah. he wouldn't have sold 34 million records. Yeah. I mean it is. I mean it is cheesy, but I, it's also like these songs are very very good. You know, yeah, and, and they, they they sort of dip and they kind of weave around the cheesiness for somehow. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm not gonna go cheese. You're not gonna go cheese. Not gonna go cheese. So where are you gonna go with? Ross had a very funny idea. He said he's it might be like like birthday cake. Birthday cake. Mm-hmm. Why well, why would it be like birthday cake? Well, because you know, when you have like birthday like a bad birthday cake. Because it has candles and where it's you on see fire. It, you see it and you're like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, my, I instantly just thought of like that white birthday cake with like the rainbow sparkles inside oh, the, of it. The funfetti? Yeah, funfetti. That's totally where my mind went to. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's something to that. Yeah. Yeah. And and like after you have one piece, they're like, you want to have more? It's like, oh, no, that's fine. I've had enough. I've had a, I enjoyed that one piece I had. Enough, yeah. Enough um, for the year my until teeth are rotting year. now. I, I yeah. It's there's a coating in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So Ross but, might be um, into something there. Yeah. But no. I, I'm going to make an exception to my rule today. Oh. Just to clarify what the rule is that I speak of. The rule is that because a band has a food in the name of the band doesn't make the band the food. Paul McCartney's wings is not wings. Fish is not fish. String cheese incident is not string cheese. That's too easy. Cake is not cake. Yeah, you get it. You, You see where I'm going. And scene. Because I don't think that there is any band, any artist, that more embodies the food that they use in their own name. Wow. So we're doing it. Look at the guy. We're going there. We're going there. We're going there. Ladies and gentlemen, simple. Meatloaf (laughs) is meatloaf. (laughs) Yeah. Let's do it. Yes, Marvin Lee Ade. Strange that it's ML, first two initials, and meatloaf. Oh, yeah. yeah. Apparently when he was born, he was very red. According <laughs> to him, there's a couple stories. According, a yes. couple stories yes, yes, that yes. he's told. Yes. Which um, is this some of his weird lies first that one he... Is pretty, yeah. yeah, the first one's pretty... Yeah, like how would he remember this? Okay, according to me, he was born, he was very red, and so they wanted to keep him at the hospital, and his father came in and he said, ah, oh, he looks like a big pile of ground chuck. Yep. Yeah. And then he started calling his son Meat. And apparently they labeled him Meat. Is that, oh, yeah. Like when they wrote, it, they wrote the sign for the babies in the window as people walk by and the see the father babies. father made them. It's like, apparently yeah, the father yeah, made them yeah. write Make meat. sure you write an index card that says Meat. I really enjoy your dad voice. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> this is my abusive drunk dad voice. <laughs> That's right. Abusive <laughs> drunk dad indeed. Uh, next cop. 
He was an ex-cop. Oh, yeah, an ex-cop, too, yes. Yeah, but he went into business selling a homemade cough remedy with his wife and a friend under the name Griffin Grocery Company. And they were in Dallas, Texas. In Dallas, Texas, <laughs> which makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's a... There's videos of him like singing the national anthem at like a Trump rally. Mm -hmm. It is it is awful. <laughs> as you can hear, as you as you can hear, it is awful. But. I was confusing two stories. This was actually a Mitt Romney run for president that he sang this with a bunch of his co-celebrities that were all on Trump's Celebrity Apprentice. So forgive me for combining those two. Just to be fair, Meatloaf does sing a mean national anthem. Check this out. I'll give credit when credit's due. But that said... He grew up in Dallas, Texas. That's right. And he, uh, he was really into sports. He played football. Mm -hmm. He played a lot of sports. He was uh, a big boy. Big guy. Very big boy. Uh, I think he was 200 pounds when he was... Yes, Very young. Something like that, yeah. Was, he was big. He was picked on. And according to him, some parents wouldn't let him play with their kids because he was too fat, is what he claimed. Uh, there's a story that, that one of the kids locked him in a in a shed. The, the ball shed at school. The ball shed at school, yes. Yep. They locked him. And this left him there. Left him there to die, knew. apparently. Yes, because and he never came home, so his mom called the police, and somehow they found him in a ball shed? Yeah. I don't know. How yeah. they would find somebody in a ball shed? <laughs> All the clues? I don't know. It's pretty weird. Yeah. So apparently he had a very up, hard upbringing and uh, his weight and all the scorn he got from the weight, mm -hmm. which is a very unfortunate with all the bullying, um, really Absolutely. traumatized him for his whole life. Yeah. And uh, I think all that trauma just really affected him through his whole career also. Absolutely. And helped him sabotage himself. Sabotage himself? Well, like losing his voice, like uh, just his panic attacks. Yeah. Maybe it's not sabotaging himself, but it's pretty much him just... Yeah, well, he certainly did not handle the fame well at first until it was all taken away from him. Yeah, obviously. well, still at that point, even when it was taken away from him, he still didn't want people to call him a star. Yes, that, that's always been his thing. Yeah, don't call me a star, don't call me a legend. Yeah. Until now. Until now. The legend, Meatloaf. May he rest in peace. Ah, yeah. Have you met a Meatloaf fan? Um, I hadn't, no, I've never had any but a conversation about Meatloaf until right now. This mm. is my first um, <laughs> conversation. I don't even think I've even eaten Meatloaf. Now, how are you from Wisconsin and never eaten a Meatloaf? I've eaten beef stroganoff. I've uh, okay pork chops. What about I, did you ever, no meatloaf? Did you ever eat that casserole, the tater tot casserole? No, I haven't done that either. Oh, that's good. Like, I don't know if you know this, but what nationality is is meatloaf? Just a American um, meal? Do you know? Let's look it up. 
<laughs> meatloaf is a dish of ground meat. It's no origin. Formed into the shape of a loaf. <laughs> <laughs> this is Wikipedia, so it must be true. <laughs> yeah. Really? It's made of meat, and it's in the form of a loaf. Pressed okay. into a loaf shape. Ooh. Vegetarian adaptions of meatloaf may be made, but can you still call it meatloaf? Yeah, I don't think so. History. Um, for, it mentioned, it's been mentioned in the Roman cookery collection... Apicius, as early as the 5th century. It's a traditional German, Scandinavian, and Belgian, Belgian dish. Ah. And it, it's, a, it's a cousin to the Dutch meatball. American meatloaf has its origins in Scrapple, a scrapple. mixture of ground pork and cornmeal served like, by German-American. It's like Philadelphia area. Scrapple's big in Philadelphia. Is it? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it is worldwide. There's the, the Cuban version, Czech... Okay, because I, I grew up in a Polish-Irish family, and that's why I, I probably why I didn't experience the meatloaf. You're an American, man. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Were your parents born in America? Yes, my parents were, were born in America. Were your grandparents born in America? Yes, yes, Are, yes You're yes. American, then. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I'm meatloaf? We're all meatloaf. We are all meatloaf. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know. I feel like meatloaf doesn't get its, its proper due. Like, you never even considered having meatloaf until this day. No. The food does not give his proper due, and I don't think the, the musician either, or the, the singer. True. Gets his proper due. Singer. But he'll tell you that he's not a singer. He's no, first and foremost an actor. Actor. That's yes. right. Yes, and that's yeah. where he started out as. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. He was an actor, but always first and foremost, like, on the musical stage. But no, he did do some acting when he was in high school. Did some acting in high school. And, uh, because he didn't want to take another study period because he didn't like sitting and not talking. So when he was in football, apparently he would what get practice. dude. <laughs> <laughs> he, would get pra- he would be able to practice and therefore uh, like get to miss one of the study halls. So when that wasn't going on, he went to his teachers like, what else can I do? I hate being in study hall. And they said, well, you can be in theater. Mm-hmm. So he tries out for a play, like is a joke, and he gets the part. Was so this t- before or after he got hit in the head with a with a it's with a shot put? It's blurry. Okay, it's, we're gonna say after because we're gonna say after because he can sing and yeah, he can, he can be on stage exactly. Okay. And then he described the sound that it made. Apparently, the sound of the shot put that hit his head sounded like G. Was it in G? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I don't know what he said, but I don't know. Shot puts are not loud. Nor are skulls, no. so I do not believe him. And once again, he was knocked out for it. So how would he know what it sounded like? Exactly, dirty liar. Yeah, the the ringing was still in his head when he woke up. Have you ever seen? Did you see when he was on a Celebrity Apprentice? No, I never saw it. No. Okay, yeah, he was on Celebrity Apprentice. I, I was really into Celebrity Appre- and I feel so dirty for it. I was in a, into a I, yes, I was into Apprentice before the whole celebrity thing. Okay, I only watched the celebrity part, and okay. it, it's uh, that particular season. It's him and Gary Busey, mm, um, quite the team. And him and Gary Busey apparently did not get along. And there is a there is a moment where he accuses Gary Busey of taking all of his paints. Like they're all, he's looking around for his bag of like paints that he bought at the drugstore because uh-huh. they're going to make posters for some reason. 
and he loses his marbles. I bought those mother sponges. Part of that pain is mine. I'm sick and tired of you mother. No, no, hey. no, 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 no. That was all no, mine no. in my basket. No. Oh, mother. Well, okay. I have to hold, on, guys. hold on, hold on. You don't want to make you get it. You don't want to start with me. Me, don't do it. And meanwhile, Mark McGrath is trying to keep them apart from each other. Celebrity Apprentice was such a great show. Oh, <laughs> the chef kiss. The chef kiss right there. Oh, Jesus. Yes. You know, so like, you got you got Meatloaf. He's got an album that sold 34 million copies I think worldwide. It's 43. Million. 43? I think you have the numbers switched around. All right. 43 million. It's the shot put. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that we all took That's where you got your beautiful voice also. Poof. Uh, 34. Forty, yes. 43. And has the Guinness Work of World Records of being the longest-selling record to be in a top... I don't know if it was. But they did say it It has been... It was on the charts in England for 554 weeks. But that's England. They have very questionable uh, music uh, England lo- England loves meatloaf. They love the meatloaf. They do. He's English, yes. actually. I was looking up his uh, his heritage. Oh, really? Yes, mostly English. I mean, you know, he's he's American, so he's got some Irish and some some Italian. Yeah, the the, the English loved Meatloaf. His whole career, yes, they loved him. They bought the crappy albums, even yeah. the albums that they didn't release in the United States. Yes, there was <laughs> albums that were not good enough for the United States that England still bought. Yeah, and then eventually a German star jumped on the bandwagon also. And like, Did they? Oh, we love Meatloaf. Oh man, and and meanwhile. You know, he's still got to be on The Celebrity Apprentice. He's selling records. He lost all his money. They said he was sued for $85 million. By his record company. Collectively, two, like 200 different lawsuits. By his record company? By his record company and various other people's, yes. You do not want to with me! From a quick internet search, I was unable to find out the exact details of each and every lawsuit, but they do say it's somewhere between 20 and 40 lawsuits, and primarily... They're filed by his songwriter, Jim Steinman. Eventually, Meat had to file for bankruptcy. So that explains why he was taking a lot of odd jobs, any jobs he could. Not to mention the fact that the original Bat Out of Hell record was primarily financed by Todd Rundgren because they didn't have a record company that was going to back it at the time. So since Todd put his money down, he got the lion's share of the money initially. But a few years ago, Todd Rundgren ended up taking a lump sum of money so that future royalties could be earned by Meatloaf and Jim Steinman. In the end, it says that Meatloaf died with $40 million. So I guess it all worked out. Carry on. Well, he just disappeared. He's like, I can't sing. Bye-bye. All these people have everything invested in him. He played the game his way, too. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, a good, it wasn't a good way, though. It was well, kind of poor. I mean, it seemed to do all right. I mean, the- well, he lost all his money. He made all this money from Bad Out of Hell. Which uh, he didn't make that much money. Do you know who made the most money out of Bad Out of Hell? Jim Todd Rundgren. Oh, let's talk about what a perfect producer he was for that. Yes. Who else would you want to produce that album? Well, he was the Todd. only one who would do it. I know. That's the thing. But but but, but, he but was think about it for him. Yeah, but think about it. You got Jim and Meatloaf walking around, and, and they're do, and they're doing it. <laughs> Jim and Meatloaf just walking around. Hey, you want to hear my tunes? Yes. Sure. This big guy in a tuxedo and this like, skinny Let me freaky start. guy. And then they're at like minute 15 of the first song. So like, I gotta go. 
Yes. <laughs> is this song okay. over yet? This is our first song. This is it's the... more than 10 minutes long. Yeah. Get ready. Yeah. And then there's a duet part. But no, it sounded like they would do it also with like two other singers. Like that was their band. So it was like three singers and a piano player. And so everybody listened to it and they're like, yeah, this is not going to work. What, mm-hmm. what do you mean this is a rock band? But then Todd Rundgren saw it and he's like, oh, I get it. You're like making fun of Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, a lot of those lyrics are very Bruce Springsteen-esque. It is, you, especially the first song. It is It is said that early on in Jim Steinman and Meatloaf's career, they had actually saw Bruce Springsteen do a show, like one of his intimate shows when, I think it was before he put out born to run mm-hmm. so like he was just playing those tunes and like they were there and it was like maybe cafe Wah or something like that and they said it was really impactful and they said yeah we're gonna we're gonna go in that direction so it was completely calculated oh wow you know yeah, and, and in fact when when bad out of hell came out like they even brought in some of the the musicians of the east street band to play like max weinberg plays drums on three tunes oh really yeah yeah it's it's max weinberg and the bass player i forget his name but but yeah like they that they were going for that wow yeah, because yeah. uh, when I re re listened to the album, first song, Bad Out of Hell, I was like, this is just like Bruce Springsteen. It's like you take all the it. theatrics and everything out and you give it to Bruce and have him just play on an acoustic guitar. Yeah, that's that's who's playing the record. The lyrics would be cheesy, but he could pull it off. But yeah, it was, it was very Bruce and X. Yeah. Yeah, so Todd Rundgren, he said, yeah, this is going to be fine. <laughs> the tracks that didn't feature the members of the E Street Band ended up being Utopia, which was Todd Rundgren's. Prague band. Mm-hmm. So between the two, they sort of covered everything else. My father also had those records. Did you listen to them? Utopia, no. Yeah. He also had Rainbow, Uriah Heep. Mm. Yes. Yes is cool. Yes is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uriah Heep's not too bad, yep. actually. I, 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 I took a bunch of my a, dad's records and I brought them home. You, those I just mentioned, I did not take. The Wizard? Did he have that one from Uriah Heep? There's one with like this weird wizard. Uh, speaking of another probably. album cover that I was just like, oh my God, look at this thing. I'll, I'll, next time I'm home, I'll have to go look at the, the records I left behind. Yeah, because yeah, there's there's all the, the weird stuff. Check them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's good. That one track is good. The Wizard. Okay. No. He has a number of stories about... <laughs> I bet you he does. About how he, he was like, he was talking about how oblivious he was when he first started doing the off-Broadway shows in New York City, and they would all say, oh, the, there, there's a lot of hookers over on 8th Avenue. And be like, what hookers? I never see the hookers. And he'd go there every day, and then all of a sudden one of the ladies is like, um, I'll show you the hookers. They're right there. And he's like, oh. So then he goes over, he's like, and they're talking to him. He's like, hey, $10 to get you, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, here, I'll give you 40 And she's like, oh, you want to go to my place or your place? And he's like, no, I just want to talk to you. And so he starts yeah. talking to her, and it's like, why did you become a hooker? And she's like, listen, I'll just give you your 40 bucks back. And he's like, no, 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 you just keep it. I just want to talk to you. And then he's like figured, you know, why the women are in the situations there are, and he's very, you know, it's admirable. I if think it's there's true, hints of truth to his stories, but I, I think a lot of them are lies and this really big embellishments trying to make him look yeah. pure and better than he, than he really is. He was married this whole time. Yeah, he got uh, he, he, yeah, his first marriage. He hung out with the woman for like seven days, and then he proposed to her. Right? Mm-hmm. That's right. It was somebody who worked in the office, I think, of the record company. Yeah, because he was always searching for love. He didn't get love when he was young, so he yes. needed love. Yeah, because his dad was trying to kill him. Yes. Yes. Meat took a knife to him. Oh, 
<clears throat> literally tried to kill him. They got into a big fight. Uh, butcher knife. Butcher knife, yes. Swiped at Meatloaf. Meatloaf rolled yep. and it embedded into his bed. Into his bed. And then Meatloaf beat, beat him, him up. Beat him up. Yep. Broke three ribs. I'm sure there's some kind of truth to it, but I don't think that's the whole story. Yeah, probably. But I would assume that a hmm. cop would probably beat up their fat kid. Yeah, and wouldn't be so silly especially, especially swinging a bu- butcher knife at him. Like, oh, I'm going to leave all this evidence. Well, I mean, he's got inside. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he can get it covered up. Yeah, just call Henry down at the office and be like, look, I, I just need you to fumble through the papers here. Yeah. I mean, his, his kid who's like, I'm going to be in theater, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to Broadway. So then apparently his mother dies and he gets an inheritance and then... Mm-hmm. Then he decides he's going to go, where did he go? L.A. L.A. Goes to L.A. to park cars. To park cars, yeah. He was as oblivious of what's going on. He was just trying to get a parking car job. And somebody goes, hey, you want to be in here? Yeah. Which was just as just like, how he laid it out. Like, to park cars. Yeah. And they're like, you, son, look like you should be in a Broadway play. And he's like, okay. And then, uh, and then that night, yeah, without rehearsing. <laughs> he's in hair. He's in hair. Yeah. And, and it apparently goes well. Yeah, it goes very well, and he's a couple other plays, and then uh, he's in uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Film. Yeah. And that's where he learns how to act. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Correct. You're right. Not film. Which still had Tim Curry, mm-hmm. and also... Meat- the original cast, and Meatlip played two different parts. That's right. He played the doctor, and he played Eddie. Yes. And then when they shot the film, he only did Eddie, and he claimed that it was not as good because he wasn't playing both parts. He does claim that. Yeah, I think I think it all had to do with his ego. He was an artist. He had an ego. Yeah, he had a very interesting ego. Yeah, it was he a very had, strange ego. It's such a strange ego. Like, he refuses to be called a legend, but I think that's part of his ego, too. Part of his ego mm-hmm. is him being the everyman. Yeah, don't call me a star. I'm not but a star. An ego I'm just like you. draws attention and draws people's sympathy into him. Yet, don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was very much just like, don't talk to me. After a show, if anybody talked to him, like before a show or after a show, he he would be really upset because he was really into holding it, like keeping Well, nobody could talk to him after a show because he was busy collapsing on the floor and not being able to breathe and people had to give him oxygen. Yeah, he would have a he would have an oxygen tank. And I remember yeah. the bass player, the bass player mentioning the first time that he saw this, like the first show that he played with him, he goes in the back or Meek goes into the back and he's like collapsed under a table and everybody's walking over him like hey great show meet and he's just like <laughs> the bass yeah. player's like is he okay should we call the call the doctor I'm like ah it's meat it's that's that's what he does that's what he does he'll just suck some oxygen down he'll be fine and then we'll we'll do the next show tomorrow that's right and then uh yeah he had he, he gave everything into his shows yeah he was a very theatrical man yeah, I don't yeah. Know. he was yeah. a great performer i thought Oh, absolutely. He's yeah. he's got a thing like his face has just got this glow to it. It's really hard to describe. It's like really childish, but also, you know, it's it's a shame that he never played like Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Like he would just be like a perfect Frankenstein. He's just got like this really possessed face cuz he says when he performs, he doesn't really be himself. Every song that he has is a character. So he really approaches his entire musical career like you would a Broadway play. Yeah. So he he and he has these little things that he's do that he does. He'll like tap his chest a couple of times and like like rub his thighs or something like that, and that brings him into character. Mm-hmm. And then he goes in and he does it. And then he says he he can't remember any show. Like anytime 
if he remembers what happened in the show, then it probably wasn't a good show mm-hmm. because he becomes so possessed about his performing. So when he was first starting out, though, he he needed to find his foil, which was obviously Jim Steinman. But before that happened, he sang on a Ted Nugent album. Ah, yes, the Ted Nugent album, yes. Which is weird because I've seen the cover a million times. I had no idea that Meatloaf I had that. no idea either. Um, apparently, Ted Nugent's regular singer, they fired him for temporarily. So they brought in Meatloaf. And Meatloaf sang seven or nine songs on the album. Yeah, like half the record. Yeah, half the record. Yeah. And I have not heard it, but um, it would very, be very interesting to hear. So uh, this is straight out of, out of Wikipedia. Meatloaf and Steinman started out. They started doing Bad Out of Hell in 1972. They didn't get serious about it until the end of 74. Meatloaf decided to leave theater and concentrate exclusively on music. Then the National Lampoon show, Lemmings, appeared on Broadway, and it needed an understudy for John Belushi. Now, John Belushi was a close friend of Meatloaf. Which I found very strange. (laughs) Very strange, yes. Yes. Uh, Meatloaf claims... (laughs) I'm going to try not to laugh every time I say Meatloaf claims, because so far I've been making a habit of that. Mm -hmm. Meatloaf claims serious, that he went to one of John Belushi's birthday parties, and, and John Belushi's birthday parties notoriously were known for an excuse for John Belushi to try out bits. And apparently at this one, this was the first time that John Belushi had Try, com- out, had try com- out bits and additives. Oh, yes. Of course, we're talking about John Belushi here. Yeah. He, he did a lot of skiing. Yeah. So they, this was the first time that he said he's going to try out the samurai, the samurai tailor. So he told Meatloaf, he said, let's just go out there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try a thing. It's going to be ad lib and just agree with everything that I say. And so they went out and they did it. And, and Meatloaf thinks that this is the very first time that he ever tried this character out. Obviously, later on, it was on Saturday Night Live, one of John Belushi's biggest bids that he brought back the whole time. Yeah. But also, John Belushi, when he auditioned for Saturday Night Live, this was before there was a Saturday Night Live, so we didn't really even... It had not come into its real realization. They didn't really know what it was going to be. So John Belushi came down to audition as one of the players, but they were also looking for musical acts, but not the way that I think we think of them now, where a band comes in. I think they thought that it was going to be sort of like like the band would come out and do songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so Meatloaf came to audition for this. And when he came, they wanted him to do like some skits, and he didn't have any skits. So anyways, long story short, he didn't get the job, obviously. But while he was there, he befriended Gilda Radner, and uh, John Belushi and Gilda Radner became these big proponents of Meatloaf and, and wanted to get him and, and the band on the show. So when they put out the record, and they were seeing this, that every band that would be on Saturday Night Live would have a bump of about 50,000 units sold. So Meatloaf kept talking to the to John and and. Gilda and said, get me on. So they, they talked and the powers happened. The powers that be got, got him on and they did such a great job. They ended up selling over 200,000 units. Wow. Yeah. Cause there's something about that visual. Like if you listen to the music, it's one thing, mm-hmm. but when you see that guy perform, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> he, yeah. you know, because he's got that scarf that he's always wiping his brow with the red, the red, the red, red scarf, scarf yeah. yes, and, and, and it was a necessity because he's, he's a very sweaty man. He's a very sweaty man, and he had that frilly shirt and a tuxedo. Yeah, he's wearing the tuxedo. Big man, and sweating all over the place. Jim Steinman wearing a leather jacket. 
for whatever leather reason. gloves. Leather, leather gloves. Trying to play piano in leather gloves. Naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Quite Meat, the team. Meatloaf claims that Pavarotti loved Meatloaf's use of the scarf. And that's where Pavarotti started using the scarf as well. <laughs> what are you laughing about? What? <laughs> that is ridiculous. That's what he said. That's uh <laughs> Why is it not true? <laughs> we could just have an episode of just Meatloaf claims. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I know we keep we keep talking about Better to Hell. One. One. Then they do the impossible. They make Bad Out of Hell 2. They make Bad Out of Hell 2 in the 90s, like almost 20, well, about 15 years later. They said it took them a long time to find a record label that would accept them making the sequel to Bad Out of Hell. Yeah. This who, would, is, who would want to take that on? This is like like 1991. It's like the heat of Nirvana and grunge and, and the yeah. resurgence. Granted, of- they did uh, Bad Out of Hell 1 during like disco and all that stuff when it was also a crazy time. To do that album. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now they're trying to do it during grunge. Yes. And hip hop. Yes. Who wants to take that on? That's not a moneymaker. No. Meanwhile, during this time, like that record continued to sell. Bad Out of Hell 1 kept selling. Mm -hmm. Up to that point, I think it had already sold 20,000 units and it sold like another 10 million units. Mm -hmm. It's a big seller. It was a, a crazy big seller. They just kept selling that dang record. Um, actually, and since then, I, and I know I'd said that Todd Rudgren, because he put all the money into the record of making it in the first place, because nobody would do it. They didn't even have a label. They had a label that sort of dropped him. So before. that's why Todd made all the money. Yes. Because he put all the money he into it. He financed the entire thing. Wow. He was the one guy that, that saw the vision, executed it, wanted to make it happen. So then they come back and they say, let's make Bad Out of Hell 2. And then we get that hit, I Will Do Anything for Love. Did they bring Todd Rundgren back or no? He was not back for this one. He was not back. Heck no. They didn't need Todd Rundgren anymore. They had Jim Steinman. Jim Steinman was fresh off the heels of writing and producing a couple of really great tracks. You know, Total Eclipse of the Heart, Out of Nothing at All. You know, we talked about that. Yeah, no, Jim Steinman picked up a ton of great tips from Todd Rundgren. Still difficult to say. Rundgren. While watching him produce Bad Out of Hell 1 and Bad for Good. Speaking of Bad for Good, the first attempt at a Bad Out of Hell sequel, sung by Jim Steinman in the absence of Meatloaf, four tracks from that album actually made it back onto Bad Out of Hell 2. Jim Steinman really had a vision for this, so carry on. I'm not sure if he produced anybody else's material other than his own. Oh, yes, actually. He was hired to do Pyromania by Def Leppard. Really? Until they fired him and brought Mutt back in. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Once you go Mutt. I, I listened to the the, the, the Foreigner ah, episode, yes. so I know. And and you guys never mentioned that uh, Mutt was married to uh, Shania Twain and did a couple of her albums also. Well, when we do the Mutt episode. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. Mutt, I mean, we, we talked about Mutt during the ACDC episode, too. I know. Mutt's got a thing. He's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And great name. Yeah. Is that his real name? Don't know. Don't care. You understand me? Well, if you do, it's Robert John Lang. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But Bad Out of Hell 2, Everything I Do do For Love or whatever. What was that song? I would do anything for love. Now, the thing about Meatloaf is the guy, the guy can do vibrato. You know what vibrato is? Mm -hmm. I can't Mm -hmm. do that. 
Yeah. I'm more like Miles Davis. I just I just hit the note. Well, some people put do too much vibrato. And it's just yeah. Like when people sing the the national anthem, yes. sometimes it's too much vibrato. Definitely. Like uh, Christina Aguilera. Sometimes it's too much vibrato. She loves the vibrato. She loves the vibrato. I find the vibrato very annoying. I feel like it's an it's an excuse to not hit the note because if you do vibrato, you're instead of like singing a note, you're singing all around the note. So mm-hmm. you, and this is what I think. It's Meat like does. you're auto tuning yourself. Yes, because Meatloaf, you know, doesn't always hit the note. There's a lot of times he did, he didn't hit the note, and he's he's pretty bummed out. There was this one show, like I think his most recent uh, collapsing in the middle of a show. Mm-hmm. He. Which one? Uh, there was so much collapse. There's a lot there. of... Uh, there was heart attacks. Yeah. Jumping well, off stage, breaking his leg. Let's bring up this one. In Nove- oh, November geez. 17th, 2003, during a performance at the London's Wembley Arena, on his Couldn't Have Said It Better tour, he collapsed of what was later diagnosed as Wolf Parkinson's White Syndrome. The following week, he underwent a surgical procedure intended to correct the problem. As a result, Meatloaf's insurance agency did not allow him to perform for any longer than one hour and 45 minutes. I bet you he was mad at that. I bet you he made it up. (laughs) (laughs) Meatloaf claims. Meatloaf claims. Well, it's on the Wikipedia, so anybody could have claimed it. I, I think, uh, yeah, as soon as he passed away, like one of his daughters is on there like, okay, this is what dad wants. It's what he said in his will. Okay. Fair enough. Let's type all this out. He collapsed another time. He talks about it during the Dan Rather interview where he collapsed on stage. And the thing he's most upset about is that while he's collapsing, there is the sound of a meatloaf singing while he is lying on the floor. So everyone's like, what do you, lip sync to your stuff? Man, and Meatloaf is like, no, what I do is that some parts I have the vocals doubled. So it'll sound more like the recording because in the recording, it's very uh-huh. frequent to have doubled vocals. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. he has these doubled vocals. So that's what Meatloaf claims. That's what Meatloaf this claims. This is what Nate claims. What Nate claims is he does this because he can't always hit the high notes. He's an old man. Yeah. You ever heard him try to sing the national anthem? We no, went through I, this I, already. I did, I did. Can you see All right, let's be honest. This is beautiful. This version, however, is from 1994. And the meatloaf fall we speak of is from about 2014. These are two very different eras of meatloaf. Meatloaf has aged. But I want to go on the record and say that Nate and I, three quarters of a bottle of wine in, are not being quite as kind to Meatloaf, rest in peace. Back to that chat. So he collapsed a lot, hurt himself a lot. Yeah. Almost died on stage every night. Concussions. Concussions. Accident prone. Uh, trauma. This guy. Doesn't he even drink. He doesn't even drink. No. And uh, his dad was an alcoholic. Uh-huh. Do we know how he passed away? His father. No, meatloaf. COVID. Not officially. TMZ reports. TMZ reports. Also, the New York Post reports. Also COVID? Also COVID. Because he was apparently a non-vaxxer. One would only assume. 
Folks, get your vaccines. Get your, get your boosts. I know you still can get COVID if you're vaccinated, but uh, it'll hopefully keep you out of the hospital so people that need to be in the hospital can be in the hospital. Dang straight. Mm-hmm. I got COVID. It was nothing. It felt like I, po- I smoked a pack of cigarettes. That's but what it, it felt like. can be something, though. But For three, four days. Yeah. That was me, my experience. Everyone's experience is different. Mm-hmm. But still get vaccinated, so maybe your experience will be like Nate's. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not like meatloafs. No. Not like meatloafs. Don't be a meatloaf. Get vaccinated. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just thought of a bumper sticker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how much influence do you think meatloaf had on Jack Black? Jack Black is basically a funny meatloaf. Yeah. They sing exactly the same. They carry themselves on the stage Exactly. Didn't they work together? I don't know, did they? I can guarantee that Meatloaf had something to do with Tenacious T at some point. Confirmed Meatloaf plays Jack Black's father in Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. How could it not? Obvious choice. Carry on. You know, he is in so many movies. Like Fight Club. You ever seen Fight Club? He was the man with the the boobs. boobs. Yeah, Yeah. The big boobs. He was also in Wayne's World. The first one. He plays himself. No, he plays like the guy outside of some club that the guys are trying to get into and they're like cracking jokes. Big part. You hardly notice him. Okay. Yeah, but it's Meatloaf. Yeah, he's been like in 50 movies. Yeah. I think the guy's a fine actor. He He's a fine actor. He I mean, he was Theatrical. hoping He was hoping that he would get an Oscar before he got a Grammy. And mm-hmm. then it was all disrupted when he got a Grammy for I could do anything for love. Oh, poor Meatloaf. Uh, oh. Right. Just- Ah, oh, not achieving his goals. Poor guy. Well, what can you do? Yeah. Do you know what he Meatloaf got a Grammy? Yeah. Not an Oscar. Can you tell guess the three things that Meatloaf collects? Ooh. Matchbooks? Nope. <laughs> Matchbooks. <laughs> That's, I don't know. Um what would some of them make sense. One of the, um, one of them makes sense. Meatloaf. Um, um all the the teeth that he loses when he collapses? Has he lost teeth? I don't know. I don't know. What does he collect? Sports memorabilia. Sports memorabilia. Um, he has quite a collection. Um, okay. That's then, the easy uh, one, though. That's the easy one. Oh. Um, potatoes that look like Richard Nixon. Close. Oh. Um, pop art. Pop art. Oh. He has a lot of pop art. And, and then, then one, um, more thing. one more thing. Um, Cadillac converters. Close. Rubber ducks. Oh, he has an enormous. He has an enormous rubber duck collection. Had. So, when do you think the Meatloaf Museum is going to open up in Dallas, Texas? Where does he live? He lives in Austin. He lives he, in. He passed, oh, he does. He passed, live, he passed away right. in Austin. That's right. He does live in Austin. Yeah, he didn't care much for the uh, the pandemic. Yeah, but then oh. he has another. He has another record after that with Jim Steinman. The last one. The last one, which they were saying was a big kerfuffle because he wanted to work with Jim and Jim's manager was all like, oh, Jim doesn't want to work with you. It's never going to happen. Yeah, because they just didn't get along. It was called Braver Than We Are. Braver Than We Are. But they did get along. I mean, as as much as two totally crazy people can. Yeah, they were no Elton John and Bernie. Yeah, no. They were more like the Liam and Noel Gallagher of songwriter-singer team. Yet, I mean, Meatloaf still had some success without Jim Steinman. 
you wouldn't have had any. Well, I guess neither of them would have had any success without each other. Probably not. Yeah, they wouldn't have. They neither of their careers would have taken out without yeah, each other. Jim would still be doing bad plays at the public theater, and Meatloaf would be parking cars. Mm. He gave us all the, those two wonderful albums. Two wonderful albums. Bad Out of Hell one and Bad Out of Hell two. You love Bad Out of Hell two? I don't know. Bad Out of Hell one. Bad, it's it's fantastic. Bad Out of one. That's all you need. It's cheesy. Uh, it's got that weird intro that we did at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Um. Got that great baseball cut in on the dashboard light. Yep. The piano beginning. Yeah. Bad of Hell One. Yep. Almost the same as the piano beginning. The Bad of Hell Two. Oh. Very similar. There's a there's a piano oh, beginning. Oh, they they both have they both sort oh. of open very similar. Oh, okay. Both with a piano just going crazy. How do you not? Yeah. Yeah. We can do that. All right, man. That this meatloaf is smelling good. Let's should we eat should we eat some? It, it is. It's lofting in here. I'm looking forward I, to I having my first meatloaf. I can't wait to tell you what I did with this meatloaf. Mm. All right. To Let's, Helen back with this meatloaf. To Helen back. Let me go whoop up some taters and then we'll do it. It's good. It's a whole meal today. Oh. So I mean the whole, meatloaf, I, taters. Mashed potatoes. And and broccoli rob. Broccoli rob. Yeah. Looking well, forward. It's, it's called baby broccoli. I'm not sure if it's broccoli rob. I don't think it is. Okay. But we're having dinner. We're it's not dinner. a lunch episode. Dinner yeah, episode. It's a dinner episode. Let's do it. All right. Boom. We can eat now. Okay, oh, so smell divine. One of the meatloaves has only beef in it. Oh. One of the meatloaves has beef and pork. And I don't know which one. <laughs> <laughs> that was my big next question. So like, oh, okay. Let's 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 let's, uh, let's, so par- let's discover. Okay. Well, let me tell you how I made the meatloaf. Yeah. Listeners, you eat and I'll talk. Okay, so a meatloaf is um, as described, a bunch of minced meat formed into a loaf. So I feel the prime ingredients that you need are ground beef, an egg, or two. They all seem to include ketchup. One of them actually has ketchup. The other one does not. The pork, I did not put ketchup in it. Okay. You put... Onion? Onion. Diced onion. Minced as little as you can do. I've seen some recipes where you can put some minced celery as well. I was tempted to do so, but I did not. Breadcrumbs, a big component. This one has about three quarters cup of breadcrumbs. We have three cloves of garlic, minced. We have smoked paprika and salt and pepper. There you go. That's it. Yeah, that's it. You mix it together. You don't mix it too much. And then put it in a your standard bread pan. Put it in the oven at 350, cook it between an hour and an hour and 15 minutes, and there you go. Some ingredients that I wanted to put in and I forgot is I I wanted to put in some nutmeg, and I also wanted to put in mustard powder, and I forgot. Oh, one more ingredient, parsley. Parsley's in here as well. So, there you go. Have you figured out which one has pork and which one does not? They're both different. There's definitely different consistencies between the two. 
Yeah. One's a lot softer and moister, mm-hmm. and one's a little more dense. Yeah. I'm I would guess, ass- it's hard to know. I'm guessing the one with um, the breadcrumbs is the more the one with the mo- more moisture. They both have breadcrumbs. Oh. I'm going to say the one with more moisture has the pork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say that, too. Yeah. They're both great. I have no... Yes. Nothing against uh, meatloaf here. Yeah. So, I mean, what I really wanted to find out, there aren't a lot of recipes that recommend that you put pork, even though you totally can. No problem. What made you decide to do that? Because, you know, I wanted to pair up meatloaf, you know, because meatloaf is more of like a pair. It's not just meatloaf. You got Jim Steinman in there. So I wanted to have like two meats happening. Oh, okay. That was my thought. But because I couldn't find like really glowing reviews with, with pork... I, I kept it out. Got it. But in retrospect, I think the pork was the right the right move. I think I prefer the other one. Really? Yeah, I like the the denser, more condensed, the you denser do, one. Huh? Yeah. That one also has more ketchup. Oh. Uh-huh. Probably more sugar also. That's probably why I like it, because of the ketchup. Mm, that could be. Also, so then, then again, mm. on the top, there is a glaze that has a ton of ketchup. I, I used a half cup of ketchup, quarter cup of barbecue sauce. Smoky mesquite barbecue sauce. Good choice. Yeah. Two and a quarter tablespoons of brown sugar, a tablespoon and a half of sherry vinegar, a teaspoon of garlic powder, a half teaspoon of onion powder, salt and pepper. And that's it. Nice. Once again, also recommended to put mustard powder and nutmeg in it. How much of each? Yeah, as you feel. As you feel? As you feel. I'd say between a half teaspoon and a, a full teaspoon. So to counteract it, I made these mashed potatoes with nutmeg. Oh. So I think that they should go, they should pair well together. Good. Yeah. In my later life, finding that nutmeg uh, pairs up really nicely with savory dishes, like meat and stuff like that. I don't really, uh, I'm, I'm usually very uh, sensitive to nutmeg, mm-hmm. like nutmeg and, and cinnamon, and I can really... Yeah, taste it even if there's a little bit amount, but yeah, I can't really. I can tell a little bit from the meat lo- from the potatoes, but it's not not too much, so it's very nice. Yeah, I didn't put. I usually put garlic in. I didn't put any garlic in the mashed potatoes. I did the, I did the nutmeg, about two tablespoons of butter, some good olive oil, like the the best olive oil you got, so you get some of that aroma. Wait, salt and pepper. It's COVID, so you use what you got. Exactly, salt and pepper. Maybe a half a cup of milk, maybe not quite that much. And it was about four pounds of potatoes, so it's quite a lot of mashed potatoes. It's a good combination because you have all the, the garlic and the onions in the in the meat, in the, the meatloaf, and yeah. you combine it with the these meat, um, the potatoes. Yeah. So it's it, it, the potatoes do not miss if you put garlic in them at all because you, if you combine yeah. it with the meat, true. it's a really nice combination. Very true. And it's not too garlicky. And I, I really can't see how you would eat meatloaf without mashed potatoes. It seems like they're just... No, you wouldn't have a, a salad with meatloaf. Yeah, no. No, you'd need the potatoes. Yeah. Definitely. We, well, we have, we, as I said, we do have the broccoli rabe here. That, that is our vegetable of choice. You That's can also go with like an, yeah. an asparagus as well. Which is easy to make, yeah. Yeah, plenty, plenty easy to make. But, you know, like a hamburger and a potato, you know, like your burger and fries. So this is like a, a family version of burger and fries. You still have ketchup and mustard in your burger. You're basically eating a hamburger here without bread, except that there's breadcrumbs in it. But you feel sophisticated doing it. 
But do you? It's like a sip. Oh. <laughs> but once again, back to meatloaf. You're but do taking, ya? you are trying, you're taking something that is like inertly, like simple and cheesy, and then trying to pass it off as being sophisticated. Oh. Yeah. Way to put a nice bow on that. <laughs> and and you eat it, and, and you know, it is somewhat sophisticated. And it, do, do you, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I, I, I've been a while, I've been away for a while, but um, you put, you put the recipes up somewhere or? You know, I, I've been slacking on putting my recipes up because <sighs> I'm not convinced that anybody is, is making these recipes. You need to. All it right. doesn't matter. I know it doesn't matter. It's There's like a little I, companion piece. You got to do that. Uh, yeah, I know. There's a lot of things I need to do. I also want to make like a video. There's so many things I want to do with this podcast. But starting out, I think recipes um, for your listeners out there, if they want to mm-hmm. make these, I think the, the recipe would be nice. Okay. I would want recipes, and I, I, I would need some guidance. Sure, yeah. I can't fly by the seat of my pants sometimes like you can. I need, Fair enough. I need direction. Especially you, who's like new in the world of making meat. Yes. Meat entrees. Moving out of the vegetarian world into the meat world. Um, yeah. I have some and good on you. hesitance in, in, in meat making. So I, I would need guidance and I would need a recipe. And if I was going to make, if I wanted to make meatloaf for my family, yeah, I would need a recipe. So I well, think you should do it. This is a, a mighty fine recipe. So if you do put the recipe, where will, where will they find it? No, they'll find it on thisbankcouldbeyourfood.com. Oh, this bank. Okay, good. Yeah. Right. You ever heard of it? Um, yes. It's a I, website. It's a website. It is. is. Really? Yeah. You don't even have to put www in the beginning. I found. Oh. Yeah, it's true. Jeez, this whole time I've been wasting precious Valuable seconds. time. Yes. Pushing all those, like wasting your W key. So, um, will all the recipes on there? Or are you starting to put the recipes on there? Or? Uh, I think I I think I have gone up to the Todd Rundgren episode. Okay. So, I do have the, which Todd Rundgren, obviously, is the coconut curry episode. Ooh. So, yeah, I need to spend a little time typing these out. But recipes don't type themselves out, Nate. It takes nope. it takes some time. A little TLC. Keep your eyes out on that website. That's right. What was it again? Uh, Thisbankcouldbeyourfood.com. For recipes. Absolutely. You can have this delicious meatloaf. Very delicious meatloaf. So, man, I don't know. what else, Is there anything else to talk about meatloaf? Did we cover everything there is? Um, I think we covered everything that everybody needs to hear about. If anybody has any tips for how they would like to make their meatloaf... Definitely leave some comments. There's lots of places to leave comments. You can do it on the Facebook. We're on Facebook. This bank could be your food. And love to get everybody's opinions on on what it is that we're doing here. And there's an Instagram? There's an Instagram. Yes. We, we feed that. TBCBYF at Instagram. You know, you know how to use the Google. Type in this bank could be your food and you'll find all that stuff up there. There's recipes, there's episodes, you know. We're this is gonna be episode number eighteen. Oh wow. We're getting up there, yeah. Getting close to twenty. Yeah. Last week we did an episode on Foreigner, and I feel that there is a connection with Meatloaf and Foreigner. Mm-hmm. I haven't figured it out. I think that Meatloaf claims that at one point in time he was Meatloaf. possibly gonna sing for Porner. Meatloaf claims. <laughs> <laughs> don't be a meatloaf. Don't be a meatloaf. <laughs> if you're gonna take anything away from here. Yeah. Don't be a meatloaf. Yeah. All right. I think we did a good job here. So I think that we should just go ahead and um, finish the rest of our meatloaf off camera. I'm going to have seconds. 
Oh, go have yourself some seconds, mm -hmm. and we'll do it, and we'll watch some football. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. Enjoy your meatloaf, and rest in peace, the great meatloaf. A, a really great Texan, a really nice guy, went through a lot, lived a good life, made some great music. Him and Jim Steinman, gone from this earth. It's weird. So get your COVID shops, folks. We don't need any more losses. All right, then. Thanks again, Nate, for coming out. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. Be well, listeners. Ciao. Ta-da! Meatloaf squared. Meatloaf, meatloaf. Good to get that one out of the way. I knew after we did the Todd Rundgren episode 10 episodes back, we were bound to get to the great meatloaf. And sorry it was under such awkward circumstances, but the man, the myth, the legend, the legend he will therefore be known as, the legend meatloaf. All right, get yourselves a cup of Izzy's coffee next time you're in Asheville, North Carolina. And hey, check out our website, thisbandcouldbeyourfood.com, for recipes, pictures, and advance notice of what the food is. Did you know on the website, if you just go there, I'll let you know what the food is. You won't even have to listen to the episode. I mean, you should listen to the episodes anyways. But for those of you who just can't wait, you just got to know, just do that. And of course, rate the show, rate the show, rate the show. Please rate the show. We need you, our supporting listeners. That is all I have to say for you today. Go out in the world and don't be a meatloaf. But maybe make yourself one instead. The music today, as usual, came from my lifetime of bands that I've been in and recordings we've done. The primary song we listened to today was Weight of the World by the Jupiter Deluxe, a band I was fortunate enough to play bass in. And man, what a great band that was. Okay, seriously, that's it. Cook on a rock out. Peace and love. Go out in the world and show random acts of kindness. And we'll meet back here in a couple of weeks. Thanks again for listening to the show. I'm your host, Nathan Palin. Good day to you. Ciao, ciao.